we overthink businesses and we overthink starting something that you really want to do because it's it is scary but you don't need like twenty thousand dollars in the bank you don't need to have all these structures in place sure they probably help but i don't think we need to think overthink it as much as we do Hi, and welcome to episode five of the Vegan Women Collective podcast. I'm your host, Rachel LaMarche, and I'm one of the co-founders of the Vegan Women Collective, an organization that highlights and supports the activism and entrepreneurship of vegan women through panels, workshops, and this hopefully interesting, motivating, and informative podcast. For this episode, I met with the incredible Hannah Jones from Hanami Cosmetics, who also happens to be the founder of the subscription-based Vegan Box and its beauty counterpart, the Vegan Beauty Box. As you will hear in this episode, I find the creation of new products fascinating, and so I went to town and asked Hannah all the things I've ever wanted to know about the cosmetics industry. And it was really fun, and I really do hope that you enjoy listening to our conversation. Before we start the episode, I also want to give a little shout to a clothing business here in Melbourne called Denim Smith. They're a completely Melbourne-made brand, and they have recently changed the leather patch that was at the back of their jeans for vegan patches. And uh, what's really cool is that I recently bought a pair that had a leather patch when I tried it on, and they changed it to a vegan patch for free. And I thought that that was really cool. And so I thought that I would let you know in case you wanted to encourage a brand that is definitely kind of moving forward um, and responding to the demand of vegans and the vegan movement. Now, as always, if you want to keep up with the events that we hold, as we do have something a bit exciting coming down the Mornington Peninsula in March, as well as a few panels in the pipeline in the next few months in Melbourne, please follow us on Instagram at Vegan Women Collective or sign up to our newsletter at our website, which is veganwomencollective.com. Let's start the show. Welcome, Hannah, Thank you. to the podcast. Thanks. Nice so, to be here. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you. So I usually always ask as a first or one of the first questions, if you can tell me a little bit about your journey into mm-hmm. veganism. So how did you find yourself becoming vegan? Growing up, I was always very aware of animals and environmental issues. I grew up in Tassie and from the youngest age, I was always rescuing animals and writing letters to the government about you know, the logging of the tarquine and the use of 1080 and things like that. So I feel like it was always, the seed was always there, but it wasn't until I was about 12 that I sort of realised that meat, where meat came from. And so I was vegetarian when I was 12 until I finished high school. I moved away from home to go to uni and unfortunately... I my mum has always been an amazing cook and so I never really learnt fair enough (laughs) I should have but and I went to uni and I just started relying on really cheap food that was easy to access things like you know really bad frozen chicken nuggets and things like that got really lazy and then um fell off the vegetarian you know Wagon. wagon for a while And then it was about 10 years ago that I realised that I had never been comfortable with what I was doing in that respect and started eating vegetarian again. And 
eight, about eight years ago, a friend of mine who was also vegetarian said, hey, I'm doing a 30-day The Vegan Easy Challenge. Oh, fantastic. Um, do you want to do it with me? And I was like, yeah, why not? Like, it's 30 days. I probably, you know, it will probably be hard, but I'm always up for a challenge. And before that, I'd done, like, 30 days of raw and, you know, I was always sort of trying interested in and, trying different yeah. diets. And I think I, the approach that I took was thinking that it would just be 30 days and then I could go back and eat, you know, chocolate and eat all the things that I was used to eating and cheese and stuff like that. I think it was after about the first 10 days that I realised that it was so easy and there was nothing that I felt as though I was missing out on. And I was discovering all these new things. Um, And so 20 days went by and I was like, oh, cool, I've only got 10 days to go. And 30 days went by and I hadn't even realised. And it was probably about... I don't know, two months. And I was like, oh God, I'm still doing this. Um, I might just keep going. And I think because of the information that was provided in the pamphlet, I really understood how much of a hypocrite I'd been before. Even when I was vegetarian, I'd sort of never thought about, you know, leather boots or dairy. dairy. Yeah. Like both fashion and food and everything to do with my lifestyle. And sort of yeah after two months of eating vegan and starting to explore that side of things I was like how could I ever pretend that I don't know this now and then it was yeah and now it's been I think eight years coming up to eight years wow and never looked back that's so (laughs) good it's so interesting how the the journey kind of changes from one person to the next because some people come at it from a health perspective yep. some people come at it from 100% ethical background yep. it's just the journeys the various journeys into it are so yeah. very interesting to me I find that really interesting as well how some people can ha- going cold turkey overnight is the best way for some people and other people it's like a couple of years gradually so you can never actually assume that it's going to be hard or easy for someone yeah. until they actually try it so I think that was the biggest lesson for me is like oh it's been, like I said, a week, two weeks, two months, like, you know, eight years. It's not, you know. <laughs> yep. And so once you had made that switch, when in your journey did you decide to start your own brand? Were you already kind of working in no. the cosmetics and skincare uh, no. industry? So I, when I finished high school, I moved up to Lismore in New South Wales and studied naturopathy. Oh, cool. So I studied that for four years. Moved to Melbourne started working as a naturopath in clinics and doing that side of things and repping um, for a big organic um, distributor, going to health food shops and selling health food products and natural skincare, realising that there were so many vegan products out there, but there were also a lot of areas that weren't ordering these products because they didn't have the demand for it. So at about that time, I started Vegan Box that was 2012 and it wasn't until 2016 that I started Hanami. So there was a quite a big gap in between the businesses starting. I, th- I guess what started Hanami was after a few years of running Vegan Box and trying to constantly source products for the beauty box that were made in Australia, cruelty, you know, certified cruelty-free and vegan, and also palm oil-free. I found that yeah. those three things were really hard um, and I was sort of didn't want to rely on the same you know couple of brands every single edition so I was like well there's a huge gap in the market when it comes to meeting all of these 
requirements. Requ- yeah, requirements or the things that were particularly important to me as a consumer when I purchase things, that's what I look for. Yeah. So I was like, well, you know, if it's not out there, maybe, maybe I should just make it. <laughs> And that's how it started. That's great. Yeah. You started the vegan box from your home? or Yeah. So it was just, it literally started within a couple of hours of me thinking about it. I just got online and made a very basic website and started it from my kitchen pretty much. I had no idea what I was doing. I had no business plan. I had no money. I think I started it with like $60 (laughs) and orders came in before I even had any stock. So I really thought it would be this tiny thing that, you know, maybe some friends might order once a year or my mum who still (laughs) orders, which is amazing. Thanks mum. But yeah, overnight it was, it, it, blew up and I was like oh god what have I done like how many orders did you get for the first one I think I I think that within the first 24 hours of launching it I had about 60 orders and like I didn't even have boxes like I was so yeah that's so incredible yeah it was funny it was quite stressful though because I was also working quite a demanding full-time job and trying to actually work out if I had what I'd done was you know create a monster but (laughs) over the next you know over the few weeks I sort of worked it out and then it just steadily took off from there but it was very much a home run business for the first couple of years yeah and then it got busy enough where you know I was getting pallets of things delivered to my very small house and neighbors complaining about trucks delivering products so that's when I sort of decided it was big enough to move into a warehouse it's incredible it's nice to have it out of the home I think working from home it's it's really hard to sit down and switch your mind off from things that you know need to be done in the next room so how far along in the journey of establishing vegan box were you able to say this is making me live I can quit my full-time job I actually kept my full-time job until I went on maternity leave which was about two years ago oh, fantastic so I was working full-time job and running vegan box and running Hanami which was yeah I I've always really liked having a lot of projects. <laughs> I, don't, I can understand that. Yeah, I can relate to that. Yeah. And I do complain a lot about how I wish I could just sit on the couch and read or do some craft or something. But to be honest, that's never really, I've never really been able to sit down and relax. I like to have a lot of things going on at any given time and throwing a child into that mix is probably a bit too much <laughs> and that's when I was like okay well I can't do my full-time job anymore and both of the businesses are definitely large enough to sustain you, know, you. yeah yep yep which was it's another challenge once my um, child was born but yeah so full-time job I quit about I guess I'd been running vegan box for four or five years okay yep so I usually do that in the morning before I went to work and all night when I got home and every weekend and yeah but it was good because my job like I said was repping to you know within the sort of organic health food industry so that's where I got to sort of see a lot of the products that I needed to source yeah and see what was new on the market as well 
So how many subscribers would you say you have nowadays? These days, I dropped it a lot once Atlas was born just because I couldn't keep up with demand. So at the moment, it's between 300 and 400 That's a month. That's great. That's yeah, fantastic. which is definitely enough. But before he was born, it was up to about 800. So I really had to rein wow. it back once I realised that I was completely and utterly overwhelmed. Um, and my husband works in he freelances so he is not always available to help me especially during those early baby days yeah where I just wasn't coping so that's when I sort of cut it down quite a lot and I'm really comfortable with where it's at now because it's something that I can literally just do yeah you know a couple of hours a day and that's enough and how do you cut it back if it's a subscription um, best I would say half of the sales are like gift purchases okay. or like people buying you know three or six month subscriptions as a gift for someone okay so I, I limited those for a couple of months leading up to when he was born okay um and then stopped taking new subscribers for a few months oh wow um, okay so now like it's basically I've, putting the reins yeah, on yeah literally like, had to put the reins on it yeah I just had do I think my mental health was suffering um I never got you know this period of maternity leave where the day after Atlas was born I was in bed with my laptop because it was just this thing where people don't really understand that it's a one-person business and so if they don't hear back from you within 24 hours it's like hey I haven't heard back it's like oh can um, I promise you (laughs) you matter to me but I just can't get back to you quick enough how did you go about sourcing? So you knew the products already. Mm-hmm. And so did you go about finding new brands or you already knew yeah. all of the brands? No, or? I think that's been, I think that is still the biggest challenge is constantly finding new products to feature. So initially it wasn't so hard because it's like, well, there's all these things that I can use. And so that's enough. You know, that I think that's why I maybe underestimated the demands yep. of how much time that might take these days because I don't like to feature something that's already been in there so I don't want to do it twice because you need to keep things fresh for people it's different if it's a different flavor or you know a slightly different product but um these days it's like as soon as one goes out you're already starting to work on what's going in the next one so it's sort of it's not just this big lead up to mail out it's like okay well this one's going out in a week but have we started working on the next one not yet oh my god how many you know how am I going to find six new things that the value is more than what people are paying for it and you know it's not just about finding the products it's about making sure it's within my budget and making sure the value is high enough for people to be you know interested enough as well yeah and also keep ordering like feeling like yeah. Oh, yeah, she provides me with value every yeah, single yeah. time. Or interesting enough as well. So um, I think coming from a naturopathic background when I'm really, you know, inspired and passionate about health products and organic things and, you know, raw or activated, beautiful products, but also having a mix of things that I also enjoy like chocolates and lollies and chips yep. and, you know mock meat products that not everyone's into but having that mix of both of those yeah and be it's a bit interesting sometimes you don't that doesn't mean that you're like like vegan jerky yeah you're not gonna it's if it's not your taste you're not gonna be like now that i've tasted it it's it's staple but it's interesting to be just like oh yeah i have tasted that product actually it was in my vegan box yeah exactly yeah um and so was it always kind of a, is it a, still a mix of food and um, cosmetics most of the time or? it's most of the time it's food products um 
And then there's the beauty box, which comes out every second month. So that's just cosmetics and skincare. And that came about for that exact reason where I wanted to put more skincare and and beauty products into the normal monthly box. But also realising that, you know, around 20 to 25% of the subscribers are male and I didn't want to assume that, you know, they would or wouldn't be into those products. I think there was one time that I might have featured some I think they were like bamboo panty liners or something (laughs) and I was like oh yeah I didn't actually really think about the guys sorry (laughs) but also not sorry (laughs) so you run the beauty box the vegan box and your own products yes so how far along in the the vegan box journey where you like now I need to now I want to do a beauty box oh that was probably two years in okay so um And it was at that stage where I needed to move to a warehouse because it was just like too many deliveries and too much stuff at home. And I was like, had this packing station set up in our hallway and our house was tiny, this tiny house in Northcote. And so at that stage, I was like, okay, this has got to go. And the cat would come and sit on like boxes. I can relate to that too. I mean, it's a cat. She's going to want to sit in the box, right? And I was like, probably not a great idea having like hair in there that's a bit gross and so then I was like okay we need to do something here and moved it to a warehouse but the beauty box I mean because I've always loved that side of business that side of that health and organic industry I've always been really more interested in the skincare and cosmetics side of things so that was always and it still is that's much more fun for me to actually physically pack I just find I'm really into you know, holding products and I love the really nice packaging and, and it's, yeah, I mean, it's really materialistic of me, but I really love and appreciate good packaging. <laughs> same. And it's not the same with snacks. It's like, oh yeah, snacks, I want to get into it. But with like beauty products, I think it's something that you cherish a little bit more and you look at it and you're like, oh, I feel like this is part of my, you know, self-love and self-appreciation sort of ritual. For sure. So I still find that more enjoyable to pack. So I'll usually get Trent in my husband into the warehouse to pack vegan box for me because he's a bit of a gun when it comes to like getting in there and just like setting it up and just packing. But the beauty box I'm still like, no 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 don't touch that. I'm gonna do that. <laughs> that's my, I need that's to my one. Position yeah, it I beautifully to, yep, in yep, the oh. totally I want to touch all the products. I think yep. it's because ultimately you also look at it all the time. Whereas yeah. food you kind of just you know you consume and it's done. Consume it and you want it, like I said, you want to open the packet and eat it and that's great and necessary. But yeah, beauty products is something that you... It stays on your shelf. Yeah, exactly. Half of it is actually looking at it and I think that was also some of the the drive to create Hanami was not only a product that fits those criterias but also something that looks beautiful yeah and that you can really appreciate and that you want to purchase for yourself because it makes you feel good I don't know does yeah. that make sense it's like a present for yourself <laughs> yeah, exactly. or for someone that you yeah. care about and you know that yep. they care about those yep. things and, and I'm really into the you know the whole eco lux you know really paired back minimal packaging with beautiful you know gold foil print or something like that I really love that but I, f- I feel like there's so much of that on the market now that I really wanted to bring out something that was colourful and cheerful and maybe not as serious, okay. if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, something that maybe sparks a little bit of colour. Excitement. Yeah, excitement or something a bit different that the market was already quite flooded with 
these beautiful minimalistic minimal packaging. Yeah, yeah. Design, yeah. And so you had the beauty box and then on top of that you were like, I need to start my own brand. Yeah, I think I was struggling to find enough variety for the beauty box, like I said before, with you know, that met the criteria of being palm oil free. I've always wanted to support vegan businesses and I was also finding that hard to find enough vegan businesses not just vegan products but actually people that were making it that were vegan and I still do it's really hard to you know I know there's constantly brands coming out that are run by vegans and I hope that they take off and that they last because it is really hard but they should know that other vegans want to support vegan run businesses yeah and I have said on the podcast before that I think that in a way that's the future because I perceive once you've gone through the whole like well I need to replace everything Mm -hmm. and just like quickly do a changeover once you kind of get comfortable in the lifestyle yeah the vegan lifestyle then you're like and you realize basically the size of everything you you don't want to basically just support a product because um a big brand has stamped the word vegan on it exactly because you know that you're supporting everything else and that's such a huge debate in the vegan community and i i even personally feel really torn about that because even though i completely 100 percent agree and i you know if i had it my way i would just support you know vegan businesses and ethical you know small businesses that use only ethically sourced you know ingredients in their products Um, and pay their staff well and, you know, have all these amazing, you know, benefits to working there in a workplace like that. Anyway, compostable packaging and all that sort of stuff. But then something happens like vegan magnums and I'm like, oh, hell yes, I will buy those. (laughs) So, you know what I mean? It sort of really makes you check in with where do I stand? And I think that's a constant work in progress as well. I think that a lot of that also has to do with privilege and I'm constantly checking in with my privilege because I understand that I get to work for myself, which I understand even in that aspect is a huge privilege. Buying vegan products from small businesses is always going to cost more because of all those things. They pay their staff or it's a person just trying to do it. And starting out with the minimums that I had to reach with Hanami, my products were costing maybe three times more to manufacture than a company that was making 20,000 in one run just because the labor involved so it's sort of I guess it's a really hard one to to work out for yourself as well it's like yes I want to support this but do I have the money to do it and if you don't then maybe it's something that's worth saving up for rather than buying you know something from the pharmacy 10 times just wait until like you know a drugstore brand cosmetics maybe just wait until you can buy something that's made by a small business in a month's time I don't know you know I was in, in chemist warehouse the other day getting some baby wipes or something and um, there was a brand there of nail polishes that was two dollars and I can see the temptation because you know Hanami nail polish is $17.95 and I'm like okay two dollars compared to $17.95 but how much is who's making it how much are they getting paid because i can tell you that the pack even the packaging the glass packaging is going to cost close to two dollars do you know what i mean so where's it made what's in it and what are the conditions that these people are working in compared to the same thing with you know a pair of jeans it's like okay do you get your 
jeans at Kmart for ten dollars where they're made in. We all know, you know, the Bangladesh. We know the conditions. We know the chemicals that go into the dyes. We we know, you know, that yeah. whole chain ten dollars, and then Kmart has to make a very large markup on that pair of jeans. So where where's the profit and who? Yeah, you know, compared to a pair of jeans that is two hundred dollars, ethically made sold by people who actually care about the product you sort of go okay it's worth waiting for so you decided to launch the brand yes so you started with the nail polishes yep so i started with just six colors of nail polish can you please walk me through (laughs) how you go about Um, starting a nail polish brand without giving me trade secrets oh yeah, yeah yeah i'm so in awe of the creation process of like You didn't have any chemistry background other than naturopathy. You were just like, I'm going to create a product and I'm going to learn how to do it. Yeah. So there's, I guess, again, coming back to the things that I couldn't find. And there obviously is other brands of nail polish on the market of, you know, non-toxic nail polishes. But I couldn't find any that were made by vegan businesses or vegan business owners. So that was my first thing that I wanted to make so I got in touch with a few different manufacturers worked out exactly what I needed to remove from the normal commercial grade formulas to make it non-toxic and also removing any animal byproduct ingredients so there's a few brands that will still use like a silk extract there's not really that many animal products in Is most there still carmine? Yeah, there can be carmine. There can be a few other sort of random ingredients, but they're not commonly used apart from, yeah, the colouring and the silk. The palm oil is still used quite a lot in some nail polishes. And, yeah, so I got in touch with a few different manufacturers and a few compounding chemists, spoke to a lot of different companies that were contract manufacturing and worked out what I could take out of nail polishes and still get the results that they needed to provide. Were people quite open? Were, were um, forthcoming? Was, no. With their school? Because no. I feel like if you get... There's just so many industries where people are quite secretive. They're quite secretive until they, they want to hear what kind of volumes you anticipate. So they don't want to help you if you're someone who's going to order, you know, to want to get five units made at a time they want to hear that you're going to do you know build up to 10,000 20,000 whatever it's going to be so I think to start off with there's a lot of um, overestimating on <laughs> my part okay I'm like oh yeah it's going to be huge It'll be fine <laughs> reaching those targets um, and that's when they I guess that's when they take you seriously and they want to talk to you so that's when talking yourself up you know actually comes in handy because you're on the other end of the phone thinking, I have no idea what I'm doing, you know. I've got a packaging design that looks pretty cool. I guess I'll just, you know, talk the talk and see where I get to. So it took about, it only took about six months to get to... From the idea idea to, like, the first few colours? Yeah, yeah, to the first six colours. So the first six colours were just to match the branding colors so that was quite easy because I was like where do I start with this and I was like just get something that matches your branding and then at least you can make photos look really nice and gauge from there how it's going to go at the same time I was already thinking about other things that I was trying to find that I was failing with um, which were lipsticks um, mascaras which 
there are hardly any mascaras on the market that don't have palm oil in them or beeswax, especially with waterproof mascara. So that was, you know, already on my list of things to do. Um, so while I was waiting for the nail polish like prototypes, which I got maybe about four rounds of before I got a formula that I thought was you know, good Up enough to, to sell. Yep. Um, and that has changed since then as well. So last year, um, the formula reformulated, took out a couple of extra ingredients that I discovered I wasn't comfortable with being in there, mostly because of their um, toxicity issues from a few studies and also made it breathable and water permeable. So it was better quality product wow. for your health, but also opened it up to a Muslim market as well so it made it wudu friendly which means that muslim men or women can use the polish um, and they don't have to remove it every time before prayer which is something i'd never really considered before how did you yeah. stumble upon well, I that just, information I, I realized that in some of the areas in the middle east that there were particular brands available there that i'd never heard of and i was thinking oh what i wonder what di- what's different about those nail polishes and realizing that they all said that they were voodoo friendly and I was like what is voodoo and then I felt quite naive because we've got such a large population I live in Preston right near like a large mosque and I was like oh how have I never thought about you know such a large part of my community and making my products friendly to those people as well so yeah I mean that was also filled my desire for it to be a better product health-wise as well so the breathable permeability also plays into health as well as opening it up to that market i've never heard of this before so there you are you're teaching every i mean i'm hoping that some of the people that are listening to the podcast nor have heard of this before but i I, I didn't so i'll be transparent about the fact that i've never heard of this before so that's very i guess you know normal commercial nail polishes close off it's like a paint you put it on your nails it closes the nail off to any sort of oxygen or water yeah with a breathable formula it means that the molecules aren't as close together so you're still getting permeability so when you wash your hands and you you know you're still getting water down onto the nail bed okay which is cool so in a way the nail acts as if it doesn't have anything on it compared to a polish that blocks it off from everything okay yeah wow that is very interesting (laughs) yeah yep so it took six months to elaborate develop the first yeah formula and then I stayed with that for a year before I reformulated again so the reformulation was just taking out a couple of ingredients and yeah open you know yeah having the breathability yes yes um and so how did did you design your own packaging uh no I had a really good idea of what I wanted and like I said before I was sort of a little bit I wouldn't say sick of seeing the Ecolux sort of look but I was a little bit uninspired by what was on the market and I was also thinking of you know big brands that I used to enjoy buying like Mac and you know all of the beautiful things at Mecca and thinking okay how am I going to um, get the attention of people who maybe wouldn't usually buy a vegan cruelty-free brand yep. that wants something that's bright and colorful and on trend and quite loud. And so I had a vision for it. And then I contacted a um, designer in the UK who I'd seen her packaging um, on a few products over on the European market. And I just loved what she did. And I got in touch with her. And I said, hey, I really love this design that you did. And she said, oh, I had so many people asking me about that. I'm, I won't work on something that's similar to that because it was quite iconic 
And she's like, but if, you, if you're open to other ideas, let's have a chat. And I was like, yeah, I totally trust you. She had amazing taste. So, oh, fantastic. Yeah, and then that process, um, the first time she sent me some ideas, I just loved it and we just worked together so well after that that, yeah, it was a very easy relationship to have. It flowed really quickly, which That's is what so I wanted good. as well because I hate it when things obstacles come up because it makes me want to just bin the whole idea. Yeah. So if that had been hard and she was like, oh, no – can't do this or even if the first designs had been something that didn't inspire me I probably might have turned out completely different I don't know yeah and so how do you go about choosing your colors there was the six colors yeah and then yeah so how did that sell first like where do where were you selling I'm assuming you put them in the vegan box Yes, with the I beauty did. box. When I first launched them, they went in there, and that was a good way of gauging the market and gauging where I was at as far as who, what was getting feedback, what were people loving, and before I'd even launched, I had a few stockist inquiries, like just through Instagram, which was really good. So that sort of, you know, first six colors went out to a few stores in Melbourne. Oh wow! Um, and. Hanami has I think it's about 150 stockists Australia wide so it's like it's gone yeah but I mean again it comes back to like I really love the vegan businesses that we're in like vegan style and the cruelty free shop the v spot like there's quite a few vegan obviously flora and fauna you know I reckon that that's like from the vegan community perspective and it's been reflected back to Mm. me like that take that I have on the vegan community people are just keen to help each other exactly exactly and i just i keep on being blown away by Mm -hmm. it and just by how transparent people are about how it's about helping others as well and just kind of succeeding all at once yeah and oh and also like if a vegan female run new business started up doing nail polishes and cosmetics I would be all for it I would buy it I love that yeah. it's not I don't see that as competition because I see it as collectively working together for the same goal like yeah, there's the greater enough, good yeah and there's also there's enough customers out there for everyone it's not a thing of like oh you're stealing my customers because you also have lipstick it's like cool what colors do you have that I don't have I'd love to buy yours it's, you know I don't see it as being this huge um competitive consumer industry it's like supporting other small businesses is what we have to do in order to keep those businesses around and to drive the movement of bringing cruelty-free vegan products into mainstream because you can't do it alone you have to work together I think that's the great thing about your the name of your podcast as well it's collective and it is a collective but it is isn't it it's like you know collectively we can do something individually one vegan business can maybe inspire the people in their community, but we need numbers to yeah, really... to drive it up. Yeah, to drive it up. And I think living in Melbourne, we're so lucky because it's oh, everywhere. Yeah. But, you know, I'm from Tassie and I go home there and it's it's nowhere. It's so hard. Like, it's not the same. Yeah. And you don't realise until you remove yourself. Growing up, did yes. you always think that you were going to work for yourself? No, but I probably should have. Um, I started making gingerbread men for a little craft store in Sheffield which is you know halfway between anywhere in Tassie it's on the way to Cradle Mountain like it's it's a beautiful little town but it's tiny and I was making gingerbread men every Sunday I'd make gingerbread men and I'd take them to this shop and they'd sell them during the week for me and I think I was maybe 
eight, seven or eight at the time. So I probably should have realized. And then I, I remember the next business I had was like printing cards from a really old computer, just like the, you know, on Microsoft Word or something in the early days of Word. And they had birthday cards that were like a printable template and I'd print them and fold them and sell them. I don't know who bought them. I think again probably my mum but I did that for a while and just little things all along um, before vegan box I had another online business um, that was just selling functional foods and raw food products um, which was still really new in Australia at the time that was probably I don't know maybe close to 10 years ago Um, and some like raw food cookbooks that we couldn't get in Australia I was getting them over from the states and selling them online so I think that passion to work for myself has always been there but I was never confident that I could get to a point where I was comfortable letting go of someone else employing me because that was really scary especially even though I left when I was you know about to have a baby that is probably what forced me to drop my full-time job because it is scary and you don't know what's going to happen and literally you see some things happen with businesses where overnight they've lost all of their followers or overnight their business database has gone and it's terrifying because that could happen but also you realize how lucky you are working for yourself it's quite liberating when you've got the freedom to be able to live like that is really nice yeah but I always actually thought um, I always wanted to study environmental science or zoology and go into more of an animal space of work so I guess it's not that much different but it's also very different to what I thought I'd be doing yeah can you tell me about all of your new products because I see that so you've expanded from the nail polishes now yep so So I went from nail polishes to um, introducing the lipsticks and mascaras then the water-based nail polish removers which is like a non-acetone formula um, beautiful packaging it again thank you it's a black box right that black uh, bottle this is my new product which is a organic um, lip and eye makeup remover oh, so wow. it's more for like highly pigmented cosmetics okay so I find there's a lot of facial cleansers and things like that that will get foundation off or other makeup but when it comes to you know sometimes you just want to remove eyeliner or waterproof mascara or like a little bit of red lipstick that's left on there and it's just not coming off with a cleanser We need to sort that out. Um, And also that was actually something that a couple of people had, a couple of customers had asked me for. They're like, look, I love your lipsticks. They stay on so well, maybe a bit too much (laughs) and I can't get it off. So I was like, okay, I need to help them. And yeah, there's about five new products coming out in the next few weeks. So there's two new colors of polish coming out for autumn and then three coming out for winter. So that's what I've just been working on finalising and now I'll start working on the spring collection, which is helps me to think about sunshine. So how many seasons do you have in a year in regards to your products? Yeah, so I try and bring something out, something new out every season. Um, that used to mean culling a few to sort of keep the brand from growing too big but now I've just kept it growing which is actually really nice because I've realized that all of the decisions come down to me but I've started asking friends and family for their opinion because I start to realize that I'm really into purples and I'm really into this kind of blue and and maybe that I need to actually think about what other people 
i.e. my customers <laughs> might like. So I think Instagram polls have been really helpful with that oh, as well. Cool. So, you know, when you have an idea and you're trying to decide between like, oh, this one or that one and getting people's opinion and it's completely different to what you were going to do, then you sort of need to stand yeah. up and take notice of that, which has been really good. Um, so, yeah, it went from six colours to I think there's almost 40. But that's the really – that's the part of business that I love. Like I love thinking, okay – What's going to happen in winter? What are people into in winter? You've got your darker shades. You've got Melbourne pretty much turns to a, a black wardrobe. So what colours, <laughs> what's going to help to bring a bit of, you know, Joy. sunshine into those days? And, yeah. Um, a lot of it is just assuming or, you know, like creative assumption of what's going to be popular. Yeah. But, I mean, it's worked so far. So, you know, and everyone's so different. I love seeing orders come in that are just – these beautiful palettes of colours that I would never have considered put together or, or considered that someone would be into these three colours that are so different to each other. And I love that. I love packing, like wrapping up orders. That's what I do every evening after my kid goes to bed is I get in there and I see what orders have come in and I pack them up. And yeah. it's a nice process to actually, you know, have a look at that order. And That's fun. Yeah. It's fun that you still have that relationship with so. it as yeah. a business. And like you could, you know, there's a lot of fulfillment, um, biz, um, what do you call them, fulfillment warehouses out there that are constantly sort of trying to get your business by they will store your products and they will fulfill the orders that come in and ship them so you don't actually have to touch anything but I'm not willing to let go of that process because I feel like that's a real connection to the person placing the order I work solely online apart from markets and those sorts of things so I never actually really get to meet my customers yeah I feel like that's a part of the process of like, oh, I'm here packing your order high and putting a little bit of my energy, energy. into that. Yeah, and then they open it and they they can sort of receive that part yeah. of yeah of it as well, which I like. I don't oh. want it to be in a factory where it's like, you know, this skew and this skew and out it goes with a label on it. It's not personal enough for me. Have people reached out to have you in like nail salons and things like yeah, that? Yeah, yep. So um, there's a few beauty salons and a few like organic hairdressing places and things like Fun. that around Australia. And that's the sort of side of things that I like I see that industry growing so much and people wanting, you know, natural facials and natural beauty treatments and even well, vegan salons, I think, is a huge thing. Yeah. I'm very excited about that. Like, if we, I, I always think someone should open in Melbourne, and excuse me if it's already open, but I've not heard about it, but someone should open, like, a huge salon that's a hairdresser, a nail place, like and a beauty. a beauty salon, like a huge one, and also sell only vegan skincare and cosmetics as a side of the business too, even offer things like massage on the side yeah that would be cool and so what's in the future for your businesses Um, now like continuously growing I'm in the process of setting up vegan box to sell it I'm at the stage now where Hanami has reached this stage of which is awesome Um, it's gotten so big that I need to give it 100% of my attention that's fantastic yeah it's really good thank you thanks yeah it's exciting yeah, I'm, I'm opening up international, um, the international market with Hanami, um, which is exciting and terrifying at the same time. And I, yeah, don't, I don't, I find it really hard to separate or to bring both businesses together in my brain. It's either I'm working on Vegan Box or I'm working on Hanami. When it's one starts taking over the other, I think it's time to 
Yeah. And I think I'll sleep better at night rather than thinking, oh my God, I didn't get back to that person yet. Or, oh my God, I need to finalise one product or, you know, ordering products for Vegan Box and it comes in and it's got palm oil in it or gluten and you have to send it all back. And yeah. Anyway, so that's... that's yes. So that means international expansion. That's just like yeah. the sky's the limit almost. Yes, it is. That's yep. con- I'm so excited. So is all, are, are all your products made here in Australia? Yes, 100%. And yeah, that was amazing. a big thing for me is like some of the brands that are that I'm seeing um, Australian owned but not made and I think that if we're going to be transparent about about this you really need to know the conditions at least in Australia we do have governing bodies that actually require you know certain levels yeah. of pay for staff and things like that so yeah one of the things that people ask me all the time that they want to start a new product is like oh can you tell me about you know, did you have a business plan? How long did it take before you were financially able to launch something? And to be completely honest, both times I've started, and that might just be pure luck, I don't know. It might be passion, it might be drive. Like I said, I'm an introvert, so it's not me going out and going, hey, look at me, I'm doing all these things. Just do it. Like, I literally had $60 that I put into Vegan Box when I started. And and then with Hanami, the most expensive part was, you know, getting the design done. And I, it's sort of, I think we overthink businesses and we overthink starting something that you really want to do because it's, it is scary, but you don't need like $20,000 in the bank. You don't need to have all these structures in place. Sure, they probably help, but I don't think we need to think overthink it as much as we do. So if you're thinking about starting a vegan business, just do it. Just test the waters. Start with market. Start with something really small. Make something for friends and family. Get them talking about it. But don't hold off until someone else takes that idea or you lose confidence or you decide that it's not the right time. And that was my conversation with Hannah Jones from Hanami Cosmetics, The Vegan Box and The Vegan Beauty Box. I hope you found it interesting and that you learned as much as I did about the beauty and cosmetics industry. Hannah was very generous and she gave us two of her nail polishes that match the color of the Vegan Women Collective branding. So head to our Instagram if you want to get in on this giveaway. If you liked this episode, please make sure to subscribe to our show, rate us and tell all of your vegan friends. For any comments or suggestions, please feel free to email us at hello at veganwomencollective.com. The Vegan Women Collective podcast is recorded, mixed and produced by myself, Rachel LaMarche. I thank you again for listening and I'll talk to you soon. Cheers.